So good morning. For those of you that don't know, again, my name is Javon Johnson. I'm a chaplain in the United States Navy. I'm stationed at 111 at Camp Pendleton, right around the corner. And today we're going to talk about this idea of going. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, where it says this. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up to come up and sit with him. How can I, unless someone explains it to me. You see, Philip had no idea why God had told him to go to this chariot. He had no idea why God said, hey, you need to come over here. But he said, you know what, I'm going to be obedient to the call of God, and I'm going to go where God had called me to go. You see, you never know what someone is going through until you walk alongside them. You never know what someone is going through until you walk alongside them. See, Philip had to walk alongside this man to find out what was going on in his life. Now, again, I explained to you guys, I'm a chaplain in the Navy, and I, I could easily I have a nice little desk, a little comfy chair. I got a couch and everything. I could easily just sit in my office and do absolutely nothing and wait for people to come to me. Actually, they wouldn't even fault me if I did that. But one of the things that I tend to do is I tend to go out where they are. I tend to be in the presence where they are, and, they, and they're telling me about the weapons that I can't fire anyway. They're telling me about the trucks. They're telling me all, all these things, and, and I'm over there. I'm mingling with them. I'm asking, hey, how's your day? How's everything going? How's your life? And out of the corner of my eye, it never fails. Out of the corner of my eye, there's always a Marine kind of hovering, looking, waiting for me to be done with the group. And right when I get done with the group, I walk away from the group. Hey, sir, excuse me. Can, can I talk to you for a second? Hey, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Hey, you know. I've been meaning to come see you, but I got this problem with my marriage, or I have this drug problem. I have, you fill in a blank of the things that these people have going on in their life. But see, I would never know this unless I'm walking alongside with them. I'm going to read this verse. I think we know it. We know it. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. For whatever reason, I think that just the churches in general, Christians in general, confuse evangelism with discipleship when there are two different things. We confuse evangelism with discipleship. See, when we hear the word evangelism, we think, hey, I need to tell people about the gospel. I need to go door knocking. I need to tell people that they need to come to church. But discipleship is more than that. I think often when we read this verse, here's how we read it. We we read, therefore go, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how we read that verse. Anyway, we forget the part where it says, and make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you to the end of age. You see, discipling is not simply about telling people about the gospel. It's about being the gospel yourself. But how can we make disciples of people who aren't here when we aren't aiming to disciple the people who are here every Sunday? How can we make disciples of people who aren't here when we aren't even the disciples in the people who are here every single Sunday? And so what, what would it look like if a couple who had been married for 30 years, who had been through the ringer, through the Christian, the Christian uh, process, and they say, you know what, I'm going to talk to this young couple who's 24, 25 years old because I know for a fact that they're going through the same struggles we did at 24, 25. What would that look like? 
What would it look like if, a, if, a, if an older gentleman said, you know what, I know that the struggles of young men, and so instead of just passing a teenager or passing a young person, I'm going to bring one of these young men and say, hey, you know, come with me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you on this Christian journey. What would it look like if women did the same thing and say, I know the problems of women, of what it means to be a Christian woman in, in, in this world, be a single Christian woman. I'm going to help you and guide you and teach you. You see, how can we make disciples of people who aren't here when we aren't even disciples of people who are here every Sunday? You see, we are good at memorizing, but we need to be good at mimicking. We are very good at memorizing scriptures. We know exactly what God has called us to do. We know the Great Commission. We know all the things that Jesus has done, but we need to be better at mimicking Jesus instead of memorizing what he did. Because it's real easy to memorize what he did. Oh, he hung out with sinners. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He was in the places where people did not want to be. But we need to be putting ourselves in the position to hang out with sinners, to hang out with tax collectors, hang out with people who are not like us, to hang out with liberal people if they disagree with us, to hang out with prostitutes. I mean, don't really hang out with prostitutes like that. I don't need you to be like, hey, the preacher said I can hang out with prostitutes. <laughs> I got it. But, but, but what we need to do is we need to be present where they are present. You see, we're good at memorizing, but we're not good at mimicking. How selfish are we that we keep the gospel to ourselves? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I, I do tell people about the gospel. I do tell, like telling people about the gospel and actually being with people and discipling them and showing them how God has told us to live our life are two different things. How selfish are we that we keep the gospel to ourselves? This young man right here, his, he is Mr. Gomez. Mr. Gomez is a former MS-13 gang member in El Salvador. He spent most of his youth doing bad things to bad people, to people, it's just in general. And one day he, he found this pastor in the, in, the, in the prison ministry, and he was giving this sermon. He, he fell in love with Jesus, and he was like, man, I want to change my life. I want to do something different with my life. Well, he got to the point where he thought about it. He's like, man, I'm about to get out, but I don't have nobody to go to. I don't have no family. Well, a church that was in, in this um, little town in El Salvador, they heard about what the pastor was doing. And they, and they went to the pastor and said, hey, pastor, what, what can we do to help you in this ministry? He said, you know what you can really do? When they get out of jail, you can help them process through when they get out. And so these people are like, yeah, we take it serious. So they come and they, they wait and Mr. Gomez is coming out and they say, hey, you got some visitors. He's like, oh, man, uh-oh. I'm thinking he's thinking somebody's going to kill him. He's thinking that his former gang members are coming to kind of get him back into the gang activity. But it was these four Christian people who came in. They fed him. They discipled him. They gave him clothes until he got on his feet. And now, right now, this guy is the pastor in El Salvador. This is what he said when he was greeted by those people. He said, I was like, whoa, I never had a family. I never had nobody waiting for me when I got out of prison, he says. The way they received me, inspired me, and gave me strength to continue on the right path. All because they went. All because this guy, who was Pastor Arias, who was a, also a former MS-13 member, decided that he was going to be a prison minister because somebody along the way went to him and told him about the gospel and changed his life. 
You see, it's not simply about telling people about the gospel. It's about being alongside with them, guiding them, discipling them, and making them become pastors. So you got two people who used to be former MS-13 gang members who are now pastors preaching the gospel. All because somebody went. You see, we don't go because we're too busy worrying about things that don't matter. We don't go because we're too busy worrying about things that don't matter, like Supreme Court justices. Oh, because we have a Republican president, a Republican Congress, and more Supreme Court judges, we're going to get rid of abortion. Okay? Well, have you ever thought about going to the places where people are considering having an abortion? Instead of going there to hold picket signs up and say, you're killing babies, you're killing babies, how about we go there and say, you know what, there's another option. I know a guy that can help you through your situation. You know what, even if they decide to have an abortion, you know what, hey, you know, we're going to come alongside you. And we're going to guide you and be with you in this process. What would that look like? You see, we're too busy worrying about things that don't matter. What would it look like if we say, you know what, hey, you're thinking of considering abortion, but I, I, I want to I adopt a baby until you get on your, right, on your feet, until you do what you need to do, and then you can come see him any time because we're not like that. Instead of trying to defund Planned Parenthood, how can we work in conjunction with them? You see, we're too busy worried about things that don't matter when Jesus has told us to go. Now listen to this. It says, now, he had to go through Samaria. This is John chapter 4, verse 4 through 6. We had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground, Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Now, we, we know what happens in the story. Jesus meets a woman who's a sinful woman, and he tells her about her story, and she said, I think you're a prophet. She goes and tells people about how amazing Jesus is. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on that first part where it says, now he had to go through Samaria. Why, why does he say that? This is a map. I don't know if you guys can see it very well. But at the bottom over here is the Dead Sea. At the, right up to the left of that is Jerusalem. And if you keep going straight up, you see Sychar, Samaria, Galilee, right? The easiest way to get from Jerusalem to Galilee is to go straight through Samaria. You want to know what the Jews did? They went around. They went around twice. They went around the river twice, and then they went back around so they can go up to Galilee because they hated the Samaritans so much. Because they were half-breeds or part-breeds. They, they weren't real Jewish people. They weren't the real people of God. They literally would go out of their way to avoid. It's the easiest way to get there is to go. There's no mountain. There's no obstruction that could keep them from going to Jerusalem to Galilee straight up. But they would go all the way around just to avoid being around those people. What places do we avoid going to? What places do we avoid going to? Or do we just like to sit in our Christian bubble? Often, we avoid going to each other. And so what happens is that we come to church and we sit in the same spot that we sat in last week and we talk to the same people that we talk to and then we leave out of here and no one ever, we don't even know what's going on in our lives until it's too late. Now, some people might be doing that, but the bottom line is we, we don't have a true connection because we're actually not discipling. We're just, mem we're just memorizing scriptures and saying, oh, yeah, I'm a good Christian because I memorized some stuff because I know some things, because I, I went to some classes. 
I find it interesting that Jesus always goes somewhere. Never once does Jesus say, hey, you know what? Hey, I, I got this great class that I've created. You should come. Hey, I'm, I'm going to be preaching on Sunday. You should come. Now, nothing's wrong with creating classes. That's just the thing we do. Nothing's wrong with preaching. Obviously, I'm doing that right now. But the bottom line is this is not the end-all, be-all to our Christianity. This is not what God has called us to do. God hasn't called us to just simply sit and collect dust as we come to church over and over again and learn more and learn more and learn more and then do absolutely nothing when we go out into the world. And he hasn't called us to sit there and only know the minimum amount of information about each other so that we don't even know what's going on in other people's lives. We don't even know someone is dealing with a divorce because we haven't talked to them about it. We don't know if someone is dealing with an alcohol or a drug addiction because we haven't talked to them about it. You see, we cannot disciple effectively if we're not doing life together. I'm going to say that again. I don't think, think y'all heard me. I can't, we cannot disciple effectively if we're not doing life together. But we get busy, and we make excuses, and we come up with reasons why we're not doing life together, and then we try to fix it by creating small groups, which is fine. But it still doesn't change the fact that we're not discipling one another, that we're not there for one another. You see, Jesus went to find his disciples. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to go find them. He went to the, where they were fishing and said, hey, you, follow me. He went to where the tax collector was at. Hey, you, follow me. He went to where his this brother's town was. He said, you, come follow me. And if we've been Christians for long enough, that's what we should be doing. We should, we should be doing it. We should be like, hey, I'm going to find someone who needs to be discipled. And I'm going to say, hey, you, come follow me. Come do what I do. Come mimic me as I mimic Christ. Come mimic me as I mimic Christ. But I think a lot of times we're not mimicking Christ. We're just memorizing what we're supposed to be doing. Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is what we're called to do. We're called to be with people. We're called to connect to people. We're called to know enough about people. I understand that you might not want people all up in your business, but this is what we're called to do. To encourage one another, to lift one another up, to build one another up. But we cannot do that if all we do is come and sit and then we never go anywhere. It doesn't matter how old you are. Wasn't Abraham old when God told him, pick up your stuff and go? Doesn't matter how young, young you are. Wasn't David young when he said, hey, I'm going to make you king, so you need to go over here? There are a lot of people right now who are struggling. Whether it be in this church, whether it be out in your community, whether it be in this world, there's people struggling. 
and we, and we claim to know the gospel. We claim to have this great news, yet we're not around to explain it to them. Because the only thing we want to do is fill ourselves with more information and depend on the government to do our job. It's time to start depending on Jesus. It's time to start depending on the Holy Spirit to guide you, to stop being afraid, to go into the spaces that people need the gospel the most. It is time to stop doing that. We are not timid. We have a power that raised Jesus from the dead that can work in us and do amazing and outstanding things. And so I, I challenge all of us. I challenge all of us to finally go and do what Jesus has called us to do. Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I would not be standing here today if someone didn't preach the gospel to me and disciple me. Actually, I wouldn't be standing here today because my dad, who wasn't, he wasn't even involved in my life at all until I was turned 16 years old. Yet one day he decided to disciple me when I met him for the first time at 16 years old. Because he was convicted by somebody discipling him and said, I'm going to disciple my son even though I don't have a good relationship with him. And as much animosity and hatred I had towards that man from 16 to probably about, I don't know, 34, and I'm 35 right now, <laughs> I, I, I would not be standing here today if he did not disciple me. Those MS-13 members would not be pastors of churches if someone didn't disciple them. There are people hurting, people needing the gospel. And we claim to have the good news. We claim to know what God is talking about, but we just don't tell people. And I want to challenge us to go out into the world and actually do what God has called us to do from the beginning. It's never changed. It's not changing. It's not turning into a new great commission. It's going to be the same commission that God has always given us, that Jesus has always given us. Go out and make disciples, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. So, if you don't mind, let us stand, please. God, you're an amazing God and worthy to be praised. And we thank you for allowing us to be in your presence. We thank you for allowing us to be with you and be holy with you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us not forget that. Let us not forget that the only reason we can gather here is because you show mercy and grace to us on the cross. Now that you have shown mercy and grace to us on the cross, it is our responsibility to go out and show mercy and grace to other people. Not only with the words that we say, but with the deeds that we do, with the way that we put ourselves in a position to have you use us, God. God, I am, I am calling for your Holy Spirit to come over this place to encourage, to inspire people, to say, you know what, maybe I'm just living in a shell. Maybe I'm just living in my little Christian bubble, and maybe I just need to get out of it and go and do what you have called me to do in the first place. God, thank you so much for your son, and thank you for your love. You're amazing, and we love you. I pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen.